Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. This week, I'm going to be talking about something that's hard to pin down, the Holy Spirit. And I say that because the Holy Spirit is, by definition, something that exists outside of our bodily senses. So I'm going to be looking at some Bible passages that describe how the Holy Spirit manifests itself among us. Although there are many everyday uses of the word spirit, such as team spirit and the human spirit, I'm going to be specifically talking about the Holy Spirit, the presence of God among us and within us. Before we get to our discussion of the Holy Spirit, I'd like to go all the way back to one of the ancient foundational stories from Genesis. These stories are the writer's attempt to look back through the mists of prehistory to explain how things came to be. Listen to the story of the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated to the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Here ends the reading. Now, according to this story, humankind was once homogeneous. Slowly they migrated to populate the earth, according to God's intention at creation. They were single-minded in their efforts to build a city with a great tower that would reach up to the heavens. They spoke one language. There were no nations or divisions among them. The Lord, who is as typical in these ancient stories, possesses very human attributes. God views this unity as a threat. And so he confuses their building effort by causing them to speak in different languages and scattering across the earth. Thus is an explanation of the origins of languages and nationalities. Now one way of looking at this story is to see the existence of nations and languages as a punishment that inhibits human progress and leads to all kinds of problems. Life just got a lot more complicated for people. People from one part of the world couldn't understand 
people from another part. Nations or kingdoms developed their own aspirations, built their own cities, created their own cultures. Unfortunately, that lack of unified purpose led to local pride, competition, and eventually the tragedy of war. Now that's one way of looking at the results of Babel. A more positive way of looking at it is that this is the origin of cultural and natural diversity. Thriving civilizations developed in their own unique ways around the globe. The great cultures of China and Asia flourished for millennia and developed their own art, literature, and philosophy. The civilizations of Egypt, Persia, Greek, and Rome all add to the depth of human knowledge and progress. To this day, the multiverse of cultures enriches all of us. But still, we live with the consequences that occur when human sin and selfishness is stirred into the mix. Wars have raged throughout history, costing countless millions of lives and causing constant human suffering. The existence of diverse languages inhibits our ability to work together and understand one another. Our philosophies and cultures and religions clash. Boundary disputes and population dislocation lead to hordes of refugees in many places, causing seemingly unsolvable immigration problems. In other words, the Tower of Babel is at the root of the ongoing struggles of humanity. Jesus was born into a time and place at the epicenter of many of these problems. What we call the Holy Land in Palestine has historically been at the crossroads of economic, political, linguistic, cultural, and religious currents. We can view the incarnation of Jesus as God's attempt to reverse the after-effects of Babel. And that's why I call the story of Pentecost, to which I now turn, as babbling backwards. In the Christian Church, the sending of the Holy Spirit is of such great importance that a special church celebration is dedicated to it, and it's called the Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, which is based on a Jewish celebration, is observed 50 days after Easter. The scriptural basis for this celebration is this passage from the second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them was heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, 
Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we all hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Now all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the reading. I always get a kick out of reading that list of nationalities that were present in one place. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. There were people from all over. Men and women who spoke different languages were of the different religious persuasions and who probably thought they had little in common. They're all babbling on, pardon the pun, and suddenly they realize they can understand each other. So somebody is speaking Phrygian, or whatever language people from Phrygia speak, and a person from Rome hears them speaking in Latin. Of course they were amazed. It's kind of like those general assembly meetings at the UN, where the delegates wear earphones that translate what's being said into their own language. On the Pentecost, they didn't need that technology. Peter explains to the group that this was the fulfillment of God's promise to send the Holy Spirit, which in addition to the language uh, miracle, had manifested itself as a rush of a violent wind and tongues of flame. Interestingly, the Holy Spirit could be one thing and the same time be many separate flames. It was many in one. And it had the same effect on people. The many became one. It's the same way that Paul describes the church in 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in the one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Here ends the reading. The Pentecost has also been called the birthday of the church. The church is one body created of many members. That's what Paul meant. He was going around the Mediterranean planting what would be called churches, kind of like Johnny Appleseed. But I think the Pentecost can be seen as something more than that. The Holy Spirit is a unifying force for all humankind. What was broken apart has been reunited. The universal nature of Pentecost is supported by what the prophet Joel spoke to the people of Israel centuries before Jesus or the day of Pentecost, the reading that I just read. Israel had been facing war and destruction, and Joel gives this promise from God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions even on male and female slaves. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Did you hear that? God said he would pour out the spirit on all flesh. All flesh. That's everybody of every status. Men and women. Slaves and free people. Imagine that the diversity of Babel is maintained. People contribute from their own culture and their own unique gifts. A melody of, a hun- of hundreds of languages fills the air. We can smell the aromas of cuisines from around the world. People relate to God differently, with their own religious expressions. And yet, we are united in one body through the Holy Spirit. Now, there's only one problem that may have already occurred to you, the world isn't that way. Nations war against nations. Palestinians and Israelis still struggle over the same land where Joel prophesied. Russia and Ukraine are engaged in a life and death struggle. Rival generals are warring from control of Sudan. In China, the Uyghurs are being persecuted for practicing Islam. In the United States, There's a constant struggle to stem the flow of immigrants from Mexico and Central and South America. Around the world, people are discriminated against because they speak the wrong language or their skin is the wrong color. Even in the 21st century, the oppression of women by men continues. Diversity appears to be more of a curse than a blessing. The ideal of one body with many members seems to be no more than an idle dream. At the end of World War II, it seemed that the world had had enough of that. The United Nations was formed with the aim of preventing future world wars. On April 25, 1945, 50 nations met in San Francisco to start drafting the UN Charter. 
The organization's objectives, as defined by its charter, include maintaining international peace and security, protecting human rights, delivering humanitarian aid, and promoting, promoting sustainable development and upholding international law. At its founding, the UN had 51 member states. As of 2023, it had 193, almost all of the world's sovereign states. But to date, the UN has accomplished few of, of its objectives. Babel has not been reversed. Delegates still need to rely on translators in order to understand one another. Nations are still motivated to look out for only their own interests. The UN has been characterized as a threat to national sovereignty. The word globalism has been discredited around the world. A retreat to blind nationalism is proposed as the answer. Now, skeptics among us will see all this and see Pentecost as a total failure. If God did pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh, it didn't seem to take. Those who live in faith, however, see it a different way. The Holy Spirit is still at work within us and among us, within each of our hearts and among all of God's people. And the Holy Spirit will continue its work until the coming of the kingdom of God. At the end of the service of Holy Communion in the church at worship, we say, Pour out your Holy Spirit among us, O Lord, and unite the wills of those you have fed with one heavenly food. So keep praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. And keep praying that we one day will be one body united in the Spirit of God. Amen. Now may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you all with favor and give you peace.